supposed to do? Teach him tricks? What the fuck is wrong with you people? They're dead! They're fucking dead, and you want to teach them tricks? They have to be rewarded, Captain. Why else will they do what we want them to do? I don't want them to do anything but drop over! From the darkest corners of Chicago, this is the Unenthusiastic Critics Halloween Movie Marathon. Hello everyone and welcome to the Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough, I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. Joining me today is one of the last surviving humans on Earth, my lovely wife Nikia, also known as the Unenthusiastic Critic. Hello. On this week's episode, Nikia and I continue our 2022 Halloween movie marathon with our first viewing of George Romero's Day of the Dead from 1985. Nakia, as we discussed last week, we're doing something slightly different with this year's Halloween marathon. Instead of the usual formula in which I subject you to horror (laughs) movies that I already know and love, Mm -hmm. this year we're experiencing together films that neither of us has seen before. That makes it sound nice. How's that working for you so far? I mean, we've only done the one. Right. So, and it wasn't terrible, but (laughs) sure. I mean, I feel you... If history has proven that the movies I choose, you tend to hate, Mm -hmm. then maybe your odds are actually better with this system. Well, these are still movies you chose. Right, but if I haven't seen the movie, Uh maybe there's a a higher chance that you're going to like it. I think probably I could pick movies out of a hat (laughs) and have better chances of you enjoying the movies than most of the movies we've watched over the years. I don't think that's true, but okay. Oh, you're you're actually giving me credit. Oh, no, I'm not doing that either. I mean, I just, you know. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so, but this movie this week is close to being a known quantity. Mm -hmm. It's the final film in George Romero's original zombie trilogy, following two movies that we have watched for The Unenthusiastic Critic. 1968's Night of the Living Dead, which we watched back when this was a blog series. And 1978's Dawn of the Dead, which we watched during the first year of the podcast a few years ago. And if memory serves, you enjoyed both of these movies. Yes, I vaguely remember enjoying them. (laughs) What what do you actually remember about them? Not a whole lot. So I remember Night of the Living Dead much more clearly. Okay. And then I remember... Dawn of the Dead. Even though that was more recent than we watched that. that. Well, I mean, Night of the Living Dead, it's just, it is a... It's an impactful film. It was in black and white. You had the sort of black hero at the center mm-hmm. of... Dwayne um, Jones. Do, you know, at a time when that was not a thing that happened in the midst of this story about zombies serving as the sort of broader metaphor for um, changing political times, changing... Social racial, unrest social of unrest the 60s, etc. So it was really interesting. Um, and not that Dawn of the Dead wasn't. Dawn of the Dead was good as well because then you're fast forward and now we're in you know a, a mall and a symbol of you know capitalism and suburban development mm-hmm. and what does it mean to then bring the zombies into that sort of and there were some cool set pieces in that one there were some very nice set pieces um, in that so yeah they were both good you liked the helicopter decapitation love the helicopter decapitation that was a good one uh we both laughed at the sight of 
zombies on escalators. <laughs> an excellent visual gag. Yes, and I can't remember if they were standing to the right. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, and you may remember that movie ended with a big pie fight. I don't remember the pie fight. What yeah. was the pie fight? So at the end of the movie, this motorcycle gang invades... The mall. The mall. Right. So it's the motorcycle gang and the zombies and the people that were in the mall and... Somehow they end up having a pie fight. Yeah, that does sound... Yeah, I really need to watch that because I feel like it was weird. <laughs> There's a lot of weird stuff going on. But excellent. But excellent, yes. Okay, I was thinking... I I think this is the first, the first zombie movie we have watched since the pandemic began. I wonder if it's going to register differently. <laughs> because of COVID? Because of COVID. Okay. Because, like, right now, I feel like you and I are among the last people on Earth that are still... Masking. That are still masking. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, just yesterday we were out in a fairly crowded area and nobody was masked. It's not that different from trying to navigate a zombie (laughs) horde. That's fair. Yeah. And someone sneezes or coughs and it's just like, okay, I need to now give you a wide berth. Um, Yeah, that's fair. You were infected and I am. Yeah, I'm trying to get around you you now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think we have talked before about what our what our general plan is. I mean, so here's the thing about like zombie movies. Mm -hmm. And I think this is true of horror movies in general. I think it's specifically true of zombie movies. It's really about the human relations. It's really about discovering who you are and who you can trust in that situation, right? It brings out, you know, when when shit really hits the fan, you find out what kind of person you really are, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how good a person you really are, who you can really trust. How would we fare in in the zombie apocalypse? I don't think there's a we in the zombie apocalypse. (laughs) There's there's no eye in there's, I mean, there is an eye There in is zombie. an eye in zombie. Yes. So here's the thing. So I totally agree with what you just said, and, and that actually had me thinking of like, oh, that's actually, like, do we need a zombie apocalypse to actually get to a place where we as a people understand the benefit of, like, mutual aid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the importance of collective survival? So, so like, I'm a big proponent of mutual aid, and I think that Again, that's, I feel like the pandemic should right. have done that and didn't. And didn't. I mean, I think it did in some pockets. Like, we yeah. actually saw mutual aid mm. organizations forming as a response to uh, the pandemic, um, worker cooperatives and things like that. So, politically, <laughs> I think it could be a good thing. If I'm being honest with, Personally. with myself, I don't want to live in that world. I have no interest in living in the world's post anything really i don't want to be post zombie apocalypse i don't want to be post nuclear war i don't want to because it's all awful and i need things (laughs) i i need to get new glasses like every year because i can't see shit i mean you can just find probably a pair that would fit you you somewhere sure not that's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of dead people prescription like that is actually your prescription maybe not in the style you want it's not about again it's like i'm gonna happen upon someone who has my same prescription Mm, in eyeglasses i think that's a little rare i also take medication regularly so i would need to have access to that so i just my body is too dependent on outside shit to run and function. Probably DoorDash and Grubhub are Door- not like, be, But see, that's the stuff that I could give up. I can give that up. I'm worried about the medication and the glasses. Without those two things, I'm sort of fucking useless. You, you, yeah. So then I'm also no longer an asset to any community that's trying to build itself. It's like, okay, what's your skill set? Well, in about, you know, a week, I'm going to be 
In a lot of pain. Blind <laughs> and crippling pain. So, I'm going to become a liability here. Mm. So, yeah, I just, I I think I would, the zombies would come. I would take some time to say goodbye to my loved ones. And I would just sort of, you know how, is it like Inuit populate where they like put the elderly on the. I I think that might be a myth. Okay. Yeah. I would sort of do that though. I'd be like, okay. On the ice flow. Yeah. Except I just walk into the sea of zombies and be like, okay, this is what we're doing here. Is that how you do? I mean, you so you would want to be. I mean, I wouldn't because you're going to be a zombie then. That's, yes, that's I would. What you're volunteering? I guess for. so. That's presuming I don't have means to to right to, to kill yourself to end myself. Or, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I do not see a, a post life for me. I don't. I don't see how that happens. Do you want me to do the thing that people do in these movies, where after you get bitten, I'm going to like lock you in the cellar and try to keep you? In, in the hope of a fire-off cure or something, and I'll just, you know... Well, we see how that goes. Throw you brains or whatever that does once not in a while well. to keep you alive. That does not go well. talk to you. I would just eat you. Read you stories, it I was, don't know. No, it's bad. That's not good for anybody. It's not healthy for you. <laughs> it's not good for me. Okay. The only thing I would expect you to do is, were I to become a zombie, then you need to put a bullet in my head. You need to just end it. Okay, well, I'm going on the record right now, and we can consider this recording a sort of living will. Okay. I don't want you to kill me if I become a zombie. What? If I want you to take care of the me. The hell? No. In comfort. No. No. And read me stories no. and throw me brains. No. And wait for no. some far off day when a cure is, is distributed. So this is me going on record saying I'm not going to do that. I will shoot you. It is literally my last wish and you are disregarding That's a ridiculous it. wish. <laughs> There's not going to be a cure. <laughs> And I'm not going to keep a pet zombie for the rest of my life because inevitably you will kill me or someone else. So, no, I'm going to shoot you. What if you, what if we make the deal that you can, like, cut off my arms and lead me around on a chain? This like a Michonne sort of thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. How about that deal? I don't want to be walking around with a damn zombie. <laughs> no. Right. I'm your husband, though, and you love me. At that point, you're not. You're dead. Okay, so it's is... till death do us part. Death has now done us part. You were just... Whenever it comes to these horror scenarios, you were just dangerously unsentimental. It's not that I wouldn't be sad. <laughs> I'd still kill you, but I'd be just like, oh, yeah, that's a bummer, man. But uh, All right. But you will, at mm-hmm. the very least, do the thing that they always do in these movies. Where you're going to wait until the very last No, I will shoot you immediately. No. And so no. You know as that soon I'm as I know that infected. you've been bitten, I'm shooting you in the head. No hesitation. No, oh my God, well, maybe he won't turn or it'll be different. No. You maybe shoot, I'm immune. Shoot you in the head. Maybe I'm special. You're I'm not. Immune. Nobody's ever special. Everybody thinks that no one is special. Okay, so that answer that. That whole find out what kind of person you are thing. We that, already knew this. Sort of you knew this before we got married. So you can't question. even say like, oh, she tricked me into marrying her and I thought yeah, that she no, would I, be I didn't know. someone that would comfort me in my zombie days. Yeah. I'm sort of also the person that's like, once you can't, Use the bathroom on your own. <laughs> I'm kind of out. So, I mean, to think that I would go okay, so, oh, now beyond that. This is important, really though, because now we're not even talking about a fantasy or sci-fi No, scenario. no, we're talking about reality. We're talking about mm-hmm. the normal mm-hmm. progression of aging that mm-hmm. happens to every human being. Absolutely. And you're you're going to be out I'm at some out. point. Yeah, I'm going to tap out. And I'm older than you, so. Yeah, it's going to happen soon. Okay. So, you know. Doesn't mean I don't love you. <laughs> it just means I don't love you enough. 
No, I'll hire you a hot nurse. Would you like? All right. That's fine. I'll take that deal. <laughs> it's better anyway, really. Wow. And this is why <laughs> I will shoot you in the head. Okay. So do you do you actually know anything about this movie that we're watching? It's about zombies. Anything else? No. Okay. I Again, I don't know much more because I have not seen it. Here's the thing. I, I listened. I went back and listened to our episode that we did on Dawn of the Dead. We mm-hmm. watched both the original and the, the sequel, Zack Snyder's sequel. And I heard myself saying, I've seen the third movie. I said, I think I've only seen the third movie once. Mm-hmm. So at some point I thought I had seen this movie. And then I went and I looked at it and I was like, I have never seen this movie. Hmm. So here's what I think happened. And this is just an interesting trivia thing that's way more information than you need to know. Okay. Romero's co-writer on the original screenplay for Night of the Living Dead, a guy named John Russo, when the two of them parted company, they each kept the rights to make sequel stories. Mm-hmm. And in fact, John Russo has rights to the phrase living dead, which is why Romero never uses that. It's Dawn of the Dead. It's not Dawn of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. right? It's, okay. So the very same year that this movie, Day of the Dead, came out, Dan O'Bannon directed a film based on John Russo's story called Return of the Living Dead. So these these movies came out actually within a couple of months of each other. And it turns out that was the one that I had seen before. Okay. Um, it's not good. I mean, it there are people who will defend it and it has its charms, but it's it's pretty crappy and pretty trashy, I think. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I should revisit that one. But yeah, no. So no, I have not seen Day of the Dead. Um, by reputation, it is not quite as good as the other two, but it's the third best in the now. Well, Romero died in 2017, but he made six dead movies in total. So they were these first three, and then it was almost 20 years between uh, this movie and Land of the Dead, mm. which came out in 2004. Then there was Diary of the Dead in 2007, and finally Survival of the Dead in 2009. I have not seen any of those, but this is the third know, best. reputedly the third best <laughs> of the dead. Septolit, sextolit, what, what do we call it? Why are you even trying to do that? You knew I, you, knew you I didn't need, know it. You I knew you didn't that. know it, and then you went for it anyway. <laughs> Why? Five would be a quintet. Six is a... Sextet, I believe? So, sure, sextet. Okay. We can go with that. <laughs> um... So I did look up a little bit about this movie. Romero's original plan, he said he wanted to make the Gone with the Wind of zombie movies. I don't know what that means. I assume it refers to the scale and the ambition rather than the, you know, racism. Mm. He was offered a $7 million budget to make this movie, which would have been far more money than he had ever been given to make a movie, on the condition that he would turn in an R-rated movie. Versus a... A unrated or X-rated movie. Um, He he couldn't take that deal, so (laughs) he ended up accepting about half that amount of money and turned it in unrated as Dawn of the Dead had also been. So you got to admire the integrity there. Sure. He basically left three and a half million dollars on the table and said, no, I got to be true to my vision here. The movie did not make a lot of money. It kind of bombed a little bit. It Went on to make money on VHS and DVD, but it was not a huge success, which I think is why there was 20 years before the next installment. I think, I gather, I didn't read a lot of reviews, but I gather its reputation is that it's a little too talky, a little too 
philosophical. Not enough zombie? Maybe not enough zombie. I don't know. Okay. Maybe not enough fun. I'm not sure. But I know there are people who think it's among the very best of these movies. And Romero said it was his absolute favorite mm-hmm. among the, the original trilogy. It's been remade twice. I looked that up. Each of the remakes in, I think, twenty, I think 2008 and 2018 or something like that. They both have identical 13% scores on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> so we probably don't need to go and watch those. And I didn't even know this. There's actually a TV series based on it called Day of the Dead right now running on the Sci-Fi Channel. Hmm. Which, I again, I have not seen any of these things, so I don't know what I'm talking about. So, we talked about Night of the Living Dead being about racism mm-hmm. and social turmoil. Dawn of the Dead in 78, about commercialism and sort of white flight and all of that Mm -hmm. so now we're up to 85 if you were predicting what would you predict day of the dead is going to be about 85 so i imagine it'll be something about reagan hiv aids crisis we are smack dab in the reagan era so that would be my guess the the only thing i know plot wise i do know that there's a military Mm. component that it's like in a military bunker or something like that again i haven't i deliberately didn't go read synopses but yeah i mean 85 we're right in the sort of the top gun red dawn kind of jingoism Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. going on so I'm curious to see if that's what this is about, and if so, what Romero does with that. Yeah. But, all right. So, what are you what are you expecting from this? I mean, I'm expecting to like. I liked the first two, so I imagine I will enjoy this. Uh, it the films have been thoughtful and interesting while still being ridiculous zombie <laughs> movies with plenty of gore. So I hope we would stay um, with that trend, but we'll see. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go watch it, and when we get back, we will discuss Day of the Dead. <laughs> First came the night, then came the dawn. Now comes the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. We've been punished by the Creator. We visited a curse. Hello! Is anyone there? For the few remaining, their only hope of survival is to find a cure. You're wasting time trying to define what's happening. But the odds are against them. We're in the minority now. Something like 400,000 to one by my calculations. And so is Captain Rhodes. Anybody else have any questions about the way things are going to run around here from now on? Their one chance is Bub. It's working on instinct. A deep, dark, primordial instinct. But their time is running out. They can be fooled, don't you see? They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys. Same way we were tricked into it. Promised some reward to come. But when the tricks wouldn't work... They're learning. They're actually learning. Their world fell apart. nice at all. You can just sit there in the dark. Think about what you've done. Think about it. Think. The dead shall have their day. Day of the dead. Extraordinary, isn't it? And we're back. 
during the break, Nakia and I watched Day of the Dead. So Nakia, in the in our previewing discussion, you said basically that you had no real desire to live in a post-apocalyptic, post-zombie world. Mm-hmm. You and I have not compared notes in this movie, but I can only assume this movie changed your mind. Because uh, this is a feel-good frolic. Yeah, no, this was a reinforcement of my <laughs> plan for the zombie future. Is This movie is fucking bleak. It is dark. It's, a, it's, it's dark. Like, Dawn of the Dead, there was at least some sense of almost liberation mm-hmm. with the collapse of society, and that was problematic. But it was like, yeah, we're going in the mall, and we're having fun, and we're, you know, doing... There's no... Nobody in this movie is having a good time. No. You're basically living in, like, like a bad Reddit thread or something. Like, it's just... <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough. It's really rough. So uh, what what did you make of this one? Where do you where do you put this in the hierarchy? So I think it's number three. I, yeah. Of the three. We've only seen three, and it's number three <laughs> it's number of three. those. It's number three of those. Um, my initial reaction when we finished it, I was just sort of like, yeah, I don't know that I like that so much. But then when I sat with it and sort of realized what it was, it started to grow on me hmm. a bit. Okay. So. My initial feeling was just like everybody's so shouty and angry and like acting at level 10 for the whole film. Like yeah. there just really is no breathing room. There's no break. I think a lot of the reviews said that. It's not even about the zombies. It's just you're just in, you're with these fucking assholes for like 90 <laughs> minutes. And it's just, it's, it's a little bit of a, starts to feel like a little bit of a slog and just too much. There really isn't much in the way of humor. There, mm-hmm. Like there's just no break. No. Um, and so, my initial feeling around it was just like, no, that like this is not I I this is not the better of the three, and I'm not quite sure what he's trying to say with this. But then after I sort of sat with it, it was like, okay, this is obviously a group of people. We are not meeting them at the beginning of the zombie outbreak. They have been going through this for yeah. what feels like years. It may be years. <laughs> and so when you look at it, it's like, okay, typically when you meet characters and they're, it's sort of like the um, Jack Torrance effect where it's like, he got to the hotel. Cra- he was crazy when he got to the hotel. Oh, in the movie version. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's that feeling of like, they're already crazy. We, like, we just got here. They're already crazy. And so right. you have to sort of acclimate to the fact they're already crazy because they've been here for however long with each other. Many yeah. of them have died. They are fighting these zombies every day. And so there's like, I mean, okay. it, it's not the same characters, but you can imagine that those characters, because at the end of Dawn of the Dead, they leave them all, right? right? They're like, we have to, there's got to be somebody out yeah. there. We're going to go find them. You can imagine those characters going to this army. I mean, it's in a bunker, mine, a silo, yeah. bunker mm-hmm. and be like, okay, we're going to join these people. And not that much later ending up yeah. like this. Yeah. And. Franken, they call him Frankenstein. Dr. <laughs> Logan, is that his name? I believe so. Yes. yes. This is Richard Liberty's character. He says the zombies or the dead outnumber the living. 400,000. 400,000 yeah. to one. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how where he gets his numbers from, but let's assume he's ballpark right. That means there's about 700 people left alive yeah. in the United States. None of whom they can seem to contact or right. reach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here we have twelve. Yes. So yeah, things are things are pretty bleak. Things are awful. 
And you never want to be the lone woman survivor with a boat. No, it's just a, it was no, just a no. bad scene, man. Like, it's just, <laughs> I don't care how nice the dudes start out, it's going to end <laughs> with them talking about, you know, you being the birth of a nation or something. It's just, <laughs> So, yeah, it's, no. I, I, in the first few minutes, I was like, oh, is she really the, only, the only woman, woman. there yeah. with these just nasty, toxic yes. men? Yeah. Yeah. This is Lori Cardiel, Sarah, who's sort of our, our protagonist. Sort of, though she's annoying in her own she way. She is annoying in her own way. Yeah. All right. Well, you said once you lived with this a little while and, you know, figured out what he was trying to do, it, it grew on you. So what what is he trying to do here? I mean, I, don't, I, I can tell you what I took away from it, um, but it did seem to be this sort of exploration of what does it mean to have, like, the breakdown of institutions. So you have the breakdown of the military... You have the breakdown of science. You have the breakdown of any sort of idea of community and civility and just like there are rules to this shit, right? And so, again, it like it's a very <laughs> it's a very clear marker for me of how poorly I would do in that world <laughs> because, as you know, in the quote-unquote post-COVID world, I don't even like that people are like sneezing on the train or coughing on the train <laughs> no. or blowing their nose on no. the train. Well, that's what I was saying before is like you basically react to those people as if they as are, if they are fucking zombie But not but they wouldn't even have to they would be the humans I would be living with where it's just like we've now to me that's like okay, we've 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 abandoned all humanity. Like you've just <laughs> you've just decided like there are rules. We to, all agreed yeah. mm-hmm. that we were going to operate a certain way because shit has gone bad, and now you are reneging on those rules, and I want to stab you in the face. <laughs> we we talked before, but I said like I thought a lot of the the impression I had of this movie is that people thought it was like too talky. It mm-hmm. is. It is talky. pretty talky. Yeah. It is almost this like existential drama with the various characters all have their own philosophies. You know, zombie or not zombie, that is the question kind sure. of thing. And in fact, John mm-hmm. says that. Yes. This is Terry Alexander's character, John. He says, that's the trouble with the world. People got different ideas concerning what they want out of life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you said, we've got we've got the military guys who are just hideous. Yeah. They are really yeah. all repulsive. Led by uh, Joseph Pilato's Captain Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Who has just apparently taken out, like, there was a major and he died. He died, yeah. So now this guy has just inherited all the power. Right. Um, there is a theory, by the way, there's a, he played a cop in Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And there's a theory that that's the same character that he just came here. <laughs> Rose and, up in the ranks. Got power hungry. Sure. And then you have the, yeah, the scientist led by Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> who is trying to figure out the zombie He's not even... I mean, th- it sounds like initially they were seeking a cure of Right, some sort. and Sarah still wants to do that, but he's... He has now transitioned to saying, how can we basically domesticate them right. and sort of re-civilize them so that they can be a part of society. Right. He's just fascinated yeah. by them, and he just wants to experiment on them and see what he can do. Yeah. There's no real talk of... No. We're going to cure the epidemic of zombieism or whatever. No. It's just, he's just having fun with his experiments. He's got a rat in a maze, mm-hmm. and he's going to put it through its paces. And then, so there's those two camps, and then we have 
this these two characters, which is John and Irish Mr. And... Bean. <laughs> Did you call him Irish Mr. Bean? He's, that's all I thought the whole time. He was like Irish Mr. Bean. He looks like Mr. Bean, and he was Irish. This is Jarlith Conroy as McDermott, mm-hmm. and they're just hanging out. I mean, they are technical staff. So John is the pilot, right? And Irish Mr. Bean is like the electric. Technician guy, or I don't know, communications guy. I don't. He has some techie thing. I, I think, think he's the communications guy, right? Um, so they're basically there to serve a role and really are not interested in getting into any of the debate about what we should or shouldn't be doing there. And quite frankly, just want to leave and go be on an island somewhere. Yeah. Well, that I thought like it's about midway through the film where they have got this. They've they've made a little backyard. Mm-hmm. They've got their own part of the compound with a trailer. And in the back of it, they've made a little backyard with lawn chairs and fake grass and... Tiki light things. Tiki lights. And and they just hang out there and drink. Mm -hmm. And John says something there, like, to Sarah, he's like, you just want to waste time and we don't... Time is all we have left. Right. So let's just enjoy what we are capable of enjoying for as much time as we have left. Yeah. So which camp are you in here? Um, I guess I would be in the John Mr. Bean camp... Because, yeah, I, I think, you know, long ago I would have realized the futility of whatever we were trying to do in this bunker. At this point, again, if, if the zombies outnumber humans 400,000 to one, we've lost. Like, it's it's done. Well, especially with the leader ship that we have available to right. us. Like, so neither Captain no, Rhodes nor Professor there's Frankenstein. There's no cure. There's no domestication that could happen at scale that you would need right. to actually make a dent in that. So, yeah, you need to just fly to an island, live out the rest of however many days you have, because this is not it's not happening. Oh, we forgot about Miguel. Do you want to talk about Miguel? No, he's a fuckboy. <laughs> So anybody that's ever listened to this podcast, there are episodes where people have crews. And my number one rule is know your crew. Know your crew. Whether you're robbing a bank, whatever, you know your crew. Because inevitably you have a weak link and you need to know who the fuck that is. Because they are going to cause you some problems. Miguel's a fucking weak link. <laughs> Sarah, she knows her crew, but she's fucking the weak link. And it's just... <laughs> literally. It's literally fucking him. Yeah. And it's blinding her to the fact that he is, and will, kill them all. <laughs> he is so clearly on the edge. Just bro- the, oh, he's like, fallen he's off. Exhausted. He's exhausted. He's fallen off the edge. We are past on the edge. He has fallen the way off. So they, the film opens, and it's Miguel and Sarah, Irish Mr. Bean, and John... <laughs> In a helicopter, and they're basically sort of what looks to be making their rounds, where they sort of go up and down the coast looking for survivors. Sarah's really the only one that thinks it's of any use. The rest right. of them have pretty much decided there's no one out here. Like, we keep doing this. There's no and one they're out. right, because they and don't they find they're very anyone. much right. And Miguel's just sort of huddled up in the corner, clutching his crucifix in his... And just, like, very clearly <laughs> done. Like, it's going to be of no use to anyone. But he wants to be the macho dude because Sarah has been holding it together this whole time. And he's basically like, you heartless bitch, you don't feel anything. So I'm going to keep doing, you know, what I need to do. And so he goes about his duties, which include like, basically, they, in order to support the experiments of Dr. Frankenstein, they have to like catch two zombies. Right. However often for him to sort of work on. They've got this sort of corral that they have to like go in and get a couple of zombies and walk them into a little trap and 
take him up to the scientist. And it actually looks like it's a workable system. Sure. Unless you have someone like Miguel. (laughs) Who is no longer capable of doing shit else but fuck up. So Miguel is charged with like, they have the the sort of long poles with these like loops at the end where they hook the necks of the zombies. Right. So Miguel was supposed to get one of the zombies. He just like drops the pole. (laughs) It doesn't like, I don't, he just like drops it. And so Sarah has to pick it up and get control of the zombie. And he freaks out and she has to sedate him. But before she's able to do that, he's like, you made me look like an asshole out there. You made me look like a piece of shit. You dropped the fucking pole. Yeah. And let a zombie loose. Yeah. So I had to deal with it. And now I have to sedate your ass. Yeah. Well, he hits her first. He smacks her twice. Yeah. And then hugs her, crying, yeah. like a toxic piece of shit man. <laughs> and she has to sedate him by stabbing him in the back with a needle. But he hates her. I mean, nor- so normally I would say you could do better. Not there. But- Actually, she could. I I mean, John and Irish Mr. Bean would be better. Sure. Her pickings are slim. Bud would be better, quite frankly. (laughs) We'll talk about Bob. But I... This was not a movie about zombies. This was a movie about trash-ass men. (laughs) Well, okay. So to be fair, and this gets back to sort of the existential question here. Mm -hmm. Right near the beginning of the movie, Miguel says to her, You're stronger than everyone else here. So what? Yeah. And there's a point there. It's like, yes, she is keeping it together, and she is being strong, and what the hell is that worth with everything that has happened and how little hope there is left? I mean... Okay, great. What do you want? A medal? You're strong. I'm weak. You're strong. And I'm not saying that she's perfect by any means, but at least she is not actively getting people killed. Like, Miguel at this point is getting people killed, and at the end of the film, chooses to basically murder everyone down there. Well, okay, we'll talk about that decision. And, you know, I think we could see that as heroic in a way. What the fuck? (laughs) Miguel deserved to die. Yes, he deserved to die. And I I hope he burns in hell. (laughs) You don't have a lot of sympathy for weak men. I don't have a lot of sympathy for bitch-ass men. So if you're going to be weak, be weak over there in your own time. Don't bring your weak shit over to me and then blame me when I'm not weak and I'm trying to help your ass. That's what I have a problem with. I understand having a breakdown in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. That's probably the most rational response (laughs) that one could have. Again, it feels like they've been there for years. And so, yeah. But you know what you say? I can't be on zombie duty today (laughs) because I've lost my fucking mind. And I'm putting everyone at risk. I need a mental health day. (laughs) You see me over here clutching this crucifix? Not a good sign. Like chewing on it. Maybe don't have me operate the zombie pole today. I'm not the dude for this. (laughs) But when he sees his girlfriend step up and say, hey, I can do this. I can take over. He's like, I can do it. I can be strong too. That's when you become a fucking problem for me. You can puss out. That's fine. Again, totally understand. But you don't get to be toxic in a way that just threatens all of our lives. Like, that's no, that you cannot do. And then to slap her, I would have stabbed him in the fucking throat with that damn syringe. (laughs) You lost your fucking mind. In the middle of a damn zombie apocalypse, you have to deal with some bullshit ass dude. Like, you got, we got a lot to worry about. I'm not about to worry about. Are you kidding me, sir? I will strangle you with your crucifix. Nope. No. You don't get to be a fucking priority in this world. 
No, you need to handle your shit. This just reinforces my feeling that when the zombie apocalypse comes, I think you and I should just go separate ways. Were they growing weed on the compound? They were. You gotta go smoke. Like, you need to chill the fuck out. (laughs) Find something else, homie. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The fuck? You gotta babysit a grown-ass man in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. He must have been good in bed. He could not have possibly been. (laughs) No one. I mean, she picked him from all the guys in the bunker to sleep with. None of those gentlemen were particularly good to look at. Picked him over steel. Steel was gross. (laughs) They were all disgusting. Uh, And she, no, 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 no dick is that good (laughs) that somebody could slap you in your fucking face. Are you kidding me? Do you know how quickly I would feed you to the zombies? I do, actually. And feel know, nothing about it. I know exactly feel how quickly. nothing about it. I would expect nothing less from you. <laughs> no. All right, we'll stick a pin in that. Sure. All right, you want, you want to talk about Bub, who is really pretty much the most sympathetic character in he the movie. He really is. I fell for Bub. Um, so Bub is... This is, is Sherman is... Howard. Uh, Dr. Frankenstein sort of pet experiments. He's been able to sort of, quote unquote, tame him by providing him with sort of rewards as he does things properly. Right, sort of behavioral, behavioral conditioning. Behavioral conditioning. So he gives him a razor and he gives him a toothbrush and a book. And... Okay, so let me stop you right kay. just for a sec. Because he gives him the razor and I would assume that you'd give him the razor without the blade in no, it. No, you gave him with the blade. Give it with the blade yeah. in it. Shaved a piece of his face off. And then tried to eat and it. And then ate the piece yeah, of his face. Yeah, it was, it was disgusting. Face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, no, it's, I mean, it's an important point. So, yes, he, Dr. Frankenstein feels that Bub is the future of zombies. That if with enough time and with enough sort of behavioral coaching, they could be brought back into society. So we can't get rid of zombies, so we got to teach them how to be more okay. like us. Which, again... 400,000 yeah, to gonna one. Happen. It's not going to happen. We're not going to turn these guys into, you know, dogs and cats. That No. Especially when we find out later that the reason that Bub is so cooperative is because Dr. Frankenstein is feeding him people. So... <laughs> well, what else are you going to feed him? Bub is like, okay, I'll be chill here and play with this little cassette player as long as you give me that leg over there. That's totally fine. Yeah, every so, time somebody is killed, yeah. they end up in Dr. Frankenstein's lab, either for him to experiment on mm-hmm. or as food for Bub. So there's a beautiful moment. So there <laughs> is this, like, this like notion of like, okay, the zombies are sort of remembering their past life so the fact that bub knows that the razor is to you know shave his face and he he knows that the book is for reading even though he's clearly not not reading it right um he you know picks up the receiver of the phone and sort of puts it near his ear as if he he sort of remembers remembers what he's supposed to do with those and then dr frankenstein says so oh no so then captain what's his name dickhead comes in Bub somehow recognizes that Captain Dickhead is a captain mm-hmm. and, like, salutes him. So it's right. like, oh, Bub must have been in the military. Yeah. And Dr. Frankenstein is like, Captain Dickhead, you should salute him back. And Captain Dickhead is like, fuck off. I'm not doing this a fucking zombie. <laughs> so Dr. Frankenstein is like, okay, let's give it a gun. Right. And so he takes all the the, the bullets out of a gun, hands it to Bub, and Bub remembers how to shoot. <laughs> and so aims the gun... And pulls the trigger. There are no guns, so no one dies. But I don't know why we thought this was a good idea. Points it at Captain Dickhead. Yes. And yes. pulls the trigger. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if I were behaviorally conditioning the zombies, I would be teaching them no. to use firearms. No. That would no. probably not be... Probably a poor choice. Yes. But again, he doesn't care. He's just in it for the science. Sure. He's doing some pretty horrific experiments down there. He is. He is. He has a lab of atrocities <laughs> uh, that... He's I... got one guy on the table that he's literally removed everything above the neck except, like, the reptile brain. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, the top of his spine and a little piece like of brain about the size yep. of a ping pong ball. Yeah. And yet the thing is still alive and still has motor function and stuff. Um, there's another one. He's removed all the organs because he's fascinated that they the still want to eat, eat. Even without, though it yeah. doesn't have a stomach, it still wants yeah. to eat. Yeah. And there's a very cool scene where that zombie sort of turns to the side on the operating table and all of his fucking insides <laughs> just, just like plop on out, the ground. It's out. just disgusting. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, he's clearly lost his shit. Yeah. And people for a while there are just letting him lose his shit. So, yeah. again, know your crew. <laughs> okay, and then and then things turn worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we, we go really quickly to military dictatorship here. I don't even remember what sets it off. Suddenly, Captain Rhodes is like, okay, you do what I tell you or I'm going to shoot you in the head. Yeah, I mean, so he's pretty much, Captain Dighead is pretty much done when we meet him, and he's constantly asking for results and progress from Dr. Frankenstein, and Dr. Frankenstein can give him nothing. <laughs> I, I love, there's a brilliant line, which just, it's very classist and very, you know, anti-intellectual. He yells at the scientists, he's like, when are you going to show us something we can understand? <laughs> they're too stupid to understand what's what the scientists are doing. But to be fair, he's not doing like Dr. Frank right. is no, not, doing not doing anything that's going to be helping them get out of there, no. helping. So, I mean, it's fair. So he's already at the limit. And then uh, Miguel finally pr- proves himself to be what you called him, which is the weak link in yeah, this like, in this whole operation. They keep him on the zombie duty, which is poor. <laughs> to, I mean, I they they don't have a lot of men, so you don't have a lot of choice with who you. Use, but Mc- Ugh, he should not have been working. Um, <laughs> but so he's back on the zombie roundup. Again, he fumbles the fucking ball. A zombie bites him on the arm, and it just kills leads to a couple total of the other soldiers, mayhem. I think. Yeah. Or bites one of the other soldiers, then yeah. the other shoulder soldier fires right. his gun when and he's shoot, bitten, kills he's, somebody. Yeah, his and gun yeah, goes mm-hmm. off. And it's a whole thing. Shit, shit happens fast. And she's still trying to save his ass. So she <laughs> grabs him. <laughs> And takes him back to the bunker where John and uh, Irish Mr. Bean are hanging out. And it's like, okay, we got to hack his arm off to try to sort of stop the the yeah. disease from spreading. John, can I borrow your machete? Right. So they hack his arm off, <laughs> which I can only imagine how fucking painful that was. And then cauterize it with fire. Yeah. Uh, and wrap it up. So I was this was this was a question I had for you actually. You would do that for me, I assume. Cut your arm off. I would have left your ass out if you behaved. Well, no, there's a chance you could save me. That was the it, point. But if you were behaving the way Miguel was behaving this entire film, I would let you rot. <laughs> I would actually throw you in the zombie pit and be like, here you go. Buy myself some time. Eat this piece of shit. Okay, but if we're, we're still on relatively good terms, you, become you, would, gristle. you would hack my arm off and cauterize my wound. And no, try because if one, it doesn't okay, work. This is what I thought. It doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, it sort of works in this movie, right? I mean, I mean we don't I see he, long I enough. Mean, yeah, but I mean, I think it just slows it down a bit. But no, he's he's going to become... Had he not murdered everyone and himself, <laughs> he would have become a zombie. 
It also depends on me having access to a machete. What, when would I have access to a machete? I mean, it's not, you know, machetes are not that hard to come by. You, can, you know, buy machetes on Amazon. You know, If we're in a zombie apocalypse, do you think I can still get <laughs> shit off Amazon? I would like to think so, yes. That's terrifying. <laughs> they got zombies peeing in cups in the warehouse. <laughs> the zombies would be working at Amazon? That's, maybe that's Dr. Frankenstein's real goal here. All right, so then what happens? I don't even know. Where are we here? I mean, that's what all hell breaks loose, basically. Um, Miguel, they sort of lay him down to sort of, to quote unquote heal. And then it's essentially the military against the scientists and John and Irish Mr. Bean from there on out. And I think that is where Rhodes finds out that the scientist is feeding his men to the zombie mm-hmm. and shoots the scientist. Yes. Four, five, six times. He shoots Dr. Frankenstein like 50 times after repeating in this film at least three times that they were low on ammo, which just seems like just Bad wasteful decision making yeah. to me, but I guess we're in a heightened circumstance. And then I think that's the point where Rhodes decides, fuck this. Because the army has been sent there to protect the scientists, right? right. That's what we think originally yes. happened. So now I think Rhodes is like, fuck this whole science thing. It's not getting us anywhere. And he's not wrong. Yeah. He's like, okay, John, you're going to take me and my three remaining men in the helicopter, and we're going to get the fuck out of here. Yes. After they put the remaining scientists in the the pen with the zombies. Yes. Right. So they put Sarah and Irish Mr. Bean in the pen, and they have to basically maneuver what seem to be hundreds of zombies that have been trapped in this cave for God knows how long. And John fights back. He does. This is... Third Romero movie in the trilogy that has really a black man as as the hero of mm-hmm. the story. Because mm-hmm. uh, they were all screwed if John doesn't doesn't yeah. do something here. Yeah. So John is able to, I mean, I think there are like three military officers sort of mm-hmm. remaining. John's able to sort of basically fight all of them off. Um, he doesn't kill him, though. He does not he kill him. He knocks them. Captain Rhodes out. He thinks about shooting him. And, and then, then he here's where we have, you know value of human life and i don't want to be like him and we see him process that decision and he decides not to kill captain rhodes right which is no maybe a mistake you know depends on the day (laughs) and then we just have a lot of fighting zombies here yes then we're in full-on zombie this really is when the the movie becomes a zombie movie right because now we're trying to get out of this limestone mine Mm -hmm. past Hundreds of pissed off zombies. Yes. In the meantime, Bub has figured out how to unchain himself. Yes. From the wall. Right. Which seems really easy for him to do somehow. I I'm Well, I mean, it is. It's just a, you just, it's a little screw thing oh, okay. that he's handcuffed to the wall. It's just they didn't think he had that dexterity, dexterity to do that and... Dr. Frankenstein has been teaching him Mm -hmm. (laughs) manual dexterity this whole time. So he frees himself and starts to roam through the lab and comes across the body of Dr. Frankenstein. And it's a really beautiful moment. It's really kind of heartbreaking. Because he he mourns him. Yes. He's really upset that Dr. Frankenstein is dead. Freaks the fuck out and is like, okay, now I gotta go shoot that motherfucker. (laughs) Now I'm on a mission of revenge. Yeah. This is the... Uh, straight razor wielding chimp from Phenomena, right? Who's on a mission of revenge. So he picks up a gun and goes looking for Captain Motherfucker. Mm-hmm. 
Glad we taught him how to shoot a gun. Yeah. <laughs> Helpful. And then meanwhile, Miguel is up. Yes, Miguel is up and decides to take the one elevator up to the sort of the main level where all the zombies are. Right, all the outside zombies. He goes to the gate and just opens the gate and lets the zombies into the compound. Yes. Why does he do that? Because he's a fuckboy. <laughs> okay, can we not see this as him trying to save... Sarah and the others by bringing the zombies in to fight the army guys. But why? And sacrificing himself heroically he is not in hero. the process. He is not a hero. Let's be very clear about that. <laughs> you, you really have it in for Miguel here. How would I not have it in for Miguel? He <laughs> yeah. yells at her no for being sympathy. strong, slaps her in yeah, the face. He, he does do that. That's true. You make me look like shit. No, you make yourself look like shit. So, that is generous of you. I don't see how he would know that the zombies wouldn't also kill Sarah and Irish Mr. Bean and John. He has no way of knowing where they are. In... Uh, you're not wrong about that. I feel like, though, that's how we were supposed to read Bullshit. that. Is nope. that he was... Because if he hadn't done that, the army would have just escaped with the helicopter and left them behind to die. Right? Mm. So, he brings in the zombies to to fight the army who are the real monsters he's a fuck boy <laughs> who murders everyone <laughs> through this poor decision well he he pays for it if that makes you feel any better it doesn't <laughs> you were already going to die sir so i don't I, no no now you just he gets torn apart by hand by there are a lot, are a lot of, of scenes of this is an extraordinarily gory movie. Yeah. And just a lot of scenes of just zombies ripping yeah. people apart. I mean, that last like 10 minutes is just set piece after set piece of how could the zombie mutilate this body? Pulling off heads, pulling people in half, yeah. sticking their fingers in their eyes and yeah. peeling their faces Biting off. Biting off it's, their rings. And yeah. All kinds of, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good gore here. Yes. If you're into that sort of thing. Which I am not. <laughs> You enjoyed it. No, I really didn't. So the zombies flood the cave and basically go on a war path and kill off the military dudes one by one. As you mentioned, there are some pretty good kills. So when we talk about kill of the week, mm. I mean, that whole that whole sequence. <laughs> There's a lot of choices. And there are a lot of choices. I mean, I think the when they kill the one dude by like, putting their fingers in his eye socket and just sort of ripping the his skin off his face. Yeah. That's pretty good. But, I mean, I, I guess if you have to have a best or a top kill... <laughs> okay, sure. It would be Captain Motherfucker's death. <laughs> because he's being chased by Bub, who, yeah. again, has learned to shoot. Yeah. And is a pretty good shot, actually. He is a pretty good shot. <laughs> and he's not going to stop. He's not going to he's very much like Michael Myers, like just coming yeah. after walking slow as shit, but shooting you shit. And so he shoots Captain Motherfucker. And so Captain Motherfucker's like stumbling around trying to run away from him. And inevitably he finds himself between Bub and a wall of zombies. And the zombies basically take him down, <laughs> tear out his insides. He's conscious through this whole thing. In fact, he's yelling, choke on yeah, him. Yeah, rip him and it. Like, I hope you choke on him, motherfucker. It's just, so it's a, it's pretty. He goes out like a champ. 
He does. He does. So I like one. Of, I think it's a it's a woman zombie that's chewing on his throat and spits out his dog tags. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty nice. Yeah. Okay. So that's your kill of the, no, that's think, your kill of the week. We I might think that's as well my do kill that of the week. Yeah. I think that's my kill of the week. Okay. Mine is it's a little moment, and I don't even remember where exactly it comes. I think it's when John and Sarah and what are you calling him? Fuckboy. No. Irish, Irish, Mr. Irish Bean. Mr. Bean are trying to escape from the caves <laughs> mm-hmm. and they kill a zombie with a shovel to the mouth. Oh, and his head, yeah. And they cut, end up cutting his head right in half at the smile line, mm-hmm. basically. And then his head is lying on the ground upside down. And he's just, blinking. And he's still blinking. Yeah, he's still pretty, conscious. It's a pretty good that, one. That was my favorite. It's a pretty good one. That's fair. <laughs> All right, and then uh, our heroes finally get outside. They make it out. They make it somehow. out. Somehow. And Sarah's been having nightmares through this whole movie. So there have been a lot of, like, fake outs. Right. Where we think something's happening, and then she wakes up, and re- we realize that it's a nightmare. Right. So that happens again. She wakes up. They're out of the cave. They're running towards the helicopter. And there's a... Is it a zombie in the helicopter? Is that what happens? Uh, I think zombies are just grabbing them at the helicopter yeah. or something. I don't remember. But she wakes up, that's a nightmare, and they are actually somehow... On a beach. Miraculously made it to a fucking beach in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) and John is fishing. Yeah. And Irish Mr. Bean is just hanging out on the beach. What's the beach in Shawshank Redemption? (laughs) Wataneo? Wataneo. That's that's where they made it. Go look for this rock. I hope. Yeah, it's also very like end of trading places. Where <laughs> yes, it is. yes. <laughs> Looking good, Lewis. <laughs> Feeling good. <laughs> Coleman on the yacht. So yes, it's it's very trading places moment. We're just like, what the fuck just happened? And she pulls out her little notepad and marks the day, and it's November fourth. Um, so she still feels the need to like keep time. And- right. Okay. So this is this is what John had tried to convince her mm-hmm. earlier in the film is that your need to like document and everything record, and record and, yeah. everything and systematize everything is your problem yeah and then so that's sort of a little ominous note at the end where it's like okay she's still she's still going to be a scientist she's still going to do that the ominous note is she's still the only woman with these two dudes and granted they are <laughs> decent two dudes they may be with each other but at some point they seem pretty domestic in that little. They did that little streamlined nice trailer episode. back there with the backyard. But John, in his whole little speech to her, was all about you know we need to start start a making new babies. Humanity, we got to start yes. making babies. Yeah. So that's going to be an awkward conversation at some point. So I was I was sort of where you were, where I was like, okay, I don't. Again, with those first two movies, it was very clear what sort of the allegory slash satire. Mm-hmm. Was and this one wasn't as clear until they get to the end and they actually they have to climb out a missile silo mm-hmm. and that sort of brought it home to me a little bit. I was like, oh yeah, okay, this is Reagan era, this is Cold War, this is and you know I was of that generation where we were all convinced that the the missiles were going to fly any minute now. Mm-hmm. And you got the military and the scientists, right, to get working together, neither of them with a soul. Right. Basically, that they are, between them, gonna fuck the entire world up. Yeah. So that was sort of what this little microcosm happening in this bunker was, I think. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I think so, too. I think there was a little bit of um, the HIV-AIDS crisis in there, too, because I think it's John that says something to the effect at some point where it's like... 
you know, we're being punished by the creator. He's put a curse on us, which was a lot of the sort of rhetoric. Right. When HIV. Yes, it was. Um, okay, well, that supports my first sort of... my McDermott and John are gay Interesting. Theory. Okay. Huh. But yeah, basically, it's a, you know, a happy, quote unquote, ending. No. No, it isn't. <laughs> well, I mean, they're on a beach. Or, you know. And Bub gets away, right? We don't see Bub die. Yeah, I imagine Bub gets out, sure, to train other zombies to be Maybe Bub goes marksmen. and becomes the leader of his people. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I haven't seen any of the sequels that were made <laughs> 20 years later. But yeah, I, I, you know, I wish well for Bub. Yeah, you know, Bub deserves the best, sure. <laughs> Been through a lot. All right, anything we haven't talked about? Any good parts? I don't... I think, I think for me, this is... It, it may be the third best of the dead series. It's quite a ways below the other two. Mm-hmm. Still got a lot of interesting stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Still got a lot of truly disgusting, marvelous special of Tom Savini has upped his game with each one of these movies. Yeah. His... No, the effects were great. Yeah. Uh, not the masterpiece that the other two were, as far as I'm concerned. No, but you said Romero said this was his favorite? He did say it was his favorite oh, okay. of the original trilogy. I mean, it may be the most human. Yeah, I suppose so. It's It actually is the most that, like, the other characters in the other movies never got much of a chance to register right. as characters, and they do here. Yeah. Even though they register at 10 on the, like, it's just, <laughs> I mean, there's a little, they're a little bit. Not unbelievable, because I can absolutely believe all these people would become what they would become under these circumstances. But again, when you're coming in and they're already at that level, it can feel a little bit like they are more like stock characters than they are actual real people. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, like these were some misogynist, racist, violent, <laughs> just... Super racist. Super racist. The army just guys like were super racist. Sprinkling it around for no like just ugh. Yeah. Yeah. They were pretty awful. So given a choice, you're like, okay, you can come live with us in our bunker. We'll keep you safe. Not not gonna do it. No. 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 Take your chances out in the wild. Yes. Leave me to die. <laughs> no thank you. But then we'd end up on a beach at the end. Again, you're making a lot of presumptions about this beach. Is there food on this beach? Will he actually be able to catch some fish? Do we know that there are actual fish there? Are the fish zombies? Are the fish zombies? Are you going to be a broodmare at some point? (laughs) Well, I'm not. Exactly. So you see how that's an easier calculation for you than it would be for me. It is, actually, yeah. So. I have less to worry about there. Yeah. No, thank you. Anything else to say about George Romero's Day of the Dead? And islands have not been good in film. Like, why would an island be anything but fucking Lord of the Flies? Not a good island. <laughs> Gilligan's Island? Not a good island. <laughs> I think there's a Leo movie about an island. I don't think it was a good island. You didn't see that one. I didn't but see that, but I'm pretty sure it was not a good island. Pretty sure it was island. not a good island. All so, right. islands are not... Jurassic Park was Jurassic an island. Jurassic Park? What the fuck with the fucking volleyball? Who is that? <laughs> Tom Hanks. Yes, not a good island. So why are we glorifying islands? It's never a good idea. You've got a point there. That's what I'm saying. Anything else? And then you're going to be pregnant on that bitch? <laughs> Fuck that. No. No. 
You're not going to get a lot of prenatal care or anything there either. Anything. No, because your whole purpose is to restart humanity. Why would you want to restart humanity in that nonsense? (laughs) No, thank you. End up with one of those zombie babies from... Irish Mr. Bean, definitely going to be getting the shake soon because he's been drinking through the whole film. Yeah, he's going to run out of booze. There's no booze. So, no, this is not going to be a pleasant trip. (laughs) Anything else to say about Day of the Dead? So are we done? Are we done with the the Romero verse? I mean, if it's downhill from here, then yeah, I think I'm. I think reportedly it is. So I'm good. I feel like I. Have I think a... he had more money with the later ones because mm. they were. I think it was like 2004 and 2009. That doesn't always mean the films are better, though. No, it doesn't. It just means it might look better. Yeah. Um, no, I'm. I'm. I feel like I have a good grasp on classic Romero, so I'm. I'm fine closing that chapter here. That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week as the Unenthusiastic Critics 2022 Horror Marathon continues. Nakia, as you know, at least once every marathon, I like to class the proceedings up with something old, something black and white, and, if possible, something foreign. I think that really brings the kids in, don't you? I think that's really expands our That's usually audience. when you have to ask me, are you still awake? <laughs> Wake up! I'm still here. (laughs) So next week, we are going to be watching an influential French horror classic, Georges Franju's Eyes Without a Face, Les Yeux Sans Visage. Do I have to listen to you do French? Absolutely not. Oh, God. (laughs) Criterion calls it an odd mixture of the ghastly and the lyrical, and says there are images here of terror, of gore, of inexplicable beauty that once seen are never forgotten. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that. Sure. (laughs) This is a movie I've been meaning to watch for a long time, so, you know, again, we're just going to seize this excuse and make you watch it, too. Okay. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, where you can download earlier episodes, leave us a comment, or sign up for our email list. You can also follow us on Twitter at Free Range Critic. In any of these places, we encourage you to suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch. Okay. Zombies aren't the problem. Trash-ass toxic men are the problem. That's true of every movie. Right? That's true of the world. It's like every movie we watch, you come to that same conclusion. It Isn't that it's funny? About zombies, Isn't it's about bank that robberies. funny? If it's a romance. Isn't that weird? <laughs> if y'all dealt with your shit and didn't make your shit our problem... I mean, this sounds like it's your shit. Is it? If, if you know, if you always, what is that saying? If you, you know, if you meet an asshole, you meet an asshole. But if you meet assholes all day, you're the asshole. No, I live in a world full of assholes. <laughs> and so could, that's why I'm meeting assholes that. all day. <laughs> that, that math checks out. And I just can't kill you. <laughs> Because why? I respect the fucking rules of society. It all comes back. Like, we, we have rules. There are rules. This isn't Nam. This isn't Nam. This is bowling. (laughs) There are rules. (laughs) I think we're done. Yes.